And welcome, everybody. This is PMP Weekly, episode 164. It is 2nd of May 2022, which is pretty horrifying. I have no idea what happened for spring. Well, May is still spring, but you know. There is no spring. Quite fast. There is no spring anymore. So in the PMP Weekly, we talk about the latest on Microsoft 365 as a whole. And uh, we typically have an, a visitor in the show as well. We've been having actually a visitor for the past 100 episodes, which is really good. So, but we did have an episode at some point when we didn't have visitors, right? Yes. We, yes, correct. That we had episodes where we didn't have a guest. And I guess that that is mainly due to our omission. We just missed it. It's just as simple as that. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> like you wake up, you see the, uh, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, there is a show. Oh, we don't have a visitor. Yeah, typically we do have it. Try to schedule this few weeks forward. Um, this week, uh, Elias Truif um, is joining us. Uh, he's doing multiple, multiple different, different things. Uh, works within uh, Rapid API company um, for the Visual Studio Code tooling, uh, but also does quite a lot of open source and community stuff. And you might have heard about Elias Truif before. He has been an MVP in Microsoft 365 area for, what was it, quite a few years. He's a star. He's an MVP. He's, a, he's, he's an open MVP, source GitHub star. He's, personality. Yes. <laughs> exactly. He's everything. So it was really good to catch up with him. We already recorded that session. So let's jump in there in a second. Before we go there, uh, my name is Sasa Yuvanen. I'm a product manager in the Microsoft 365 platform. Um, and with me as a co-host is uh, Waldek. Hi, everybody. My name is Waldek Mastekas, and I am quite quiet. And I am quite, quite pleased <laughs> to be here. And I am cloud <laughs> developer advocate or Microsoft 365 at Microsoft. And as I said, I'm, I'm quite, quite cloud quite advocate. To be here. <laughs> I'm quite advocate. <laughs> I quite, I'm quite an advocate. Yes. Quite yeah. an advocate. <laughs> cool. So let's actually myself. jump on <laughs> It was you this time, by the way. It wasn't me. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I even paid attention. Like, will you get your job title right this time around? Yes, you I did. got it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's got to be somebody. It's like, you know what? Okay, exactly. it's me. <laughs> yes. We were this close. We were this close. <laughs> Get ah, it. So Probably what? done. So, yeah, exactly. But let's jump on the interviews with Elio and then come back on the weekly articles from Microsoft and Community. So welcome, Elio Astruis, to once again on the BMP Weekly. It is fourth time. We clearly are running show on ideas of visitors, right? No, just kidding. Just kidding. It's good to catch up with Elio as well. <laughs> <laughs> on that bombshell, we latest journey. <laughs> okay, let's. Okay, bye bye. Thank week. you. I feel very honored <laughs> to be here. <laughs> yeah. So appreciated. No, no. <laughs> we are among friends here. So, uh, Ilya is here for the fourth time, uh, but you've been actually, um, it's been a pretty long time since last time you were actually here. So, it's been one and a half years year. or so. Yeah. 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 And, and some things have actually changed, and, but you're still doing work across the development on Microsoft 365, at least partly, and all of that stuff. So, we wanted to have a catch up on what's happening on your side of the world. Um, and you're doing huge, huge, huge amount of work in the Visual Studio code extensions, cross the building and open source and all of that stuff. So it's, which is a really interesting discussion point as well. But before we go there, can you do a quick intro as who you are and what are you doing for Ling? So hello, everyone. Uh, so for the people that don't know me or that didn't follow up where I'm now in the world, I'm still in Belgium, so that didn't change. I'm uh, still living close to Antwerp, that didn't change. Um, still biking, that didn't change. Or That's good. Changed the yeah, business. wife yeah. didn't change. Uh, no, 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 no. And still two kids, still two kids, that didn't change. 
but I, uh, yeah, I changed uh, careers, so I'm now not 100% working in Microsoft 365 anymore, but more on a total different side of the spectrum. Still development, but more on, like uh, Vesa already mentioned, on VS Code extensions. So yes, I do partly the open source stuff there, but also now working for Rapid API. Um, which does everything around API management and creation and so on. Um, and I'm working at the, the developer tools department there. So we are creating tools for developer to make it easier to find APIs, create APIs, test out APIs and so on. So that's a whole different thing. Um, it's a fun journey, uh, not working on Microsoft 365 anymore. Not that Microsoft 365 is not fun to work on, but it's, it's like a whole different context. And um, I had to put my mind somewhere else for some time just to trigger me for learning new stuff. So it's uh, yeah. it's pretty nice. Yeah. Are you, can, can so I, yeah. with, with, with the tools that you build, are they, are they tied to any cloud or you build tools to build APIs and deploy them anywhere you want? Yeah, yeah. Indeed. So um, you, what you can do is Rapid API has a service like um, they always see themselves like a app store, but for APIs, like an API store. Um, and what you can do as a developer is you create an API, you link it to the store, and then people buy your API via the store. So we are a proxy to your API, but you can host it wherever you want. Um, so if it's in Azure, if it's in Google, it's it's up to you. Cool. How does the, how does that work? Wait a minute. So now I need to actually because that was my question as well. So what what does that mean in practice? So what does the creating an API and proposing APIs mean in practice? Just just to clarify, is this the the classic story back in? 90s or whenever bits talk and then we have a centralized API catalog from where you go and say, hey, give me the list of APIs. And then you can say, okay, I need to connect to SAP or uh, whatever the, the other applications. How, how does that all work? Yeah. So um, we have the public version and we have an enterprise version. And actually the enterprise is the same as a public one. Only the difference is that the enterprise version will be installed within a company so that you do discovery of APIs inside your company. And APIs these days are the most important thing. Uh, that's what gets your business running. Before, when we were doing development, it was like, let's create an application and the application does this 100%. Everyone started using it, but these days you have the no-code solutions, the low-code solutions, and the developer solutions. So what brings together all of these solutions is APIs. So if you want to get data from SAP to another system, it's an API that is going to bring that kind of things. So that's why the API uh, hub is there, uh, or the enterprise hub that you can put inside the company and then um, a administrator can start uh, creating that catalog of APIs and can also do uh, management of users that can actually, actually access the APIs and so on. Yep. The same kind of hub exists in the cloud, so that you as a developer want to, for instance, go to uh, a weather API or Twilio for sending SMSs. Um, normally, what you're going to do is, oh, I need to send an SMS. Okay, I, I'm going to uh, Twilio, and I will order that kind of a service. And 
oh, I need to have um, a weather alert system. So I need to go there and there. And before you know it, you have 20 of these services and you're starting to pay for these 20 services each and every month and all individual invoices and so on. So what we can do is bring all these APIs together, have one invoice, but still allow you to contact these services because they all register their APIs to our platform. And with one API key, you can just call any of these services. So it's also much easier to just call in, send an SMS instead of, oh, Twilio authenticates via this method and then this weather API authenticates yes. via that method. No, they are all now on our system and all that information is so, is integrated. So, so there's, a, there's a certain level of in abstraction and standardization across the APIs yeah. Yeah, and uh, the authentication. What you can, you can also look at it as Very Microsoft Graph does for, exactly. for the whole Microsoft 365 platform. Like it's a proxy on top of another API and it works the same way. But with that, I wonder, what does that mean for SDKs, right? Because like imagine you are API provider for payments and you have an SDK. That SDK knows of my APIs that I build but doesn't know about my APIs exposed through Rapid, right? So how does, what does that mean for people who want to connect to an, to an API, so want, want to benefit from all of your work, but also want to uh, benefit from simplicity of using an SDK that does all of the different things, like, you know, uh, error handling, performance improvement, and so forth and so on? A uh, fairly good question, but then you're try you're targeting your own APIs in that case. So if let's go back to Twilio, they built an SDK, then they are mm -hmm. not going to think about people connecting via Rapid API, or maybe they do, but I don't think so. Um, so it's more on our end that we then have to create some kind of an SDK in order to contact all of these things, and that's also what's. Uh, the team that I'm working on uh, with right now is also going to focus on on bringing uh, capabilities like that inside Visual Studio Code, inside your code projects, and so on. And languages and all different yeah. runtimes and all that. Yeah. So, so from I a use. API and data endpoint provider, they could make the decision not to invest in SDKs and not to invest on on the sales and not to invest on anything, but they would then go through the Rapid API. Is that kind of one way of approaching this as well? Yeah. Another one is you have the advantage of if you're having your SDK inside our portfolio, uh, that you can get easy visibility to other developers um, where you can say, hey, we are doing uh, like SMSs or we can uh, send out SMSs. Um, maybe this is an interesting service for you. Uh, or yeah. and you're building something and you're trying to search and before you know it, you say, hey, this API, that sounds also interesting. Let's connect it and then get more data there. Yeah. Like there were a lot of use cases uh, two years ago with uh, Corona, um, where you had a lot of these APIs that were providing data around how much cases were there in country X, Y, Z. Um, so then they saw that they had a lot of these services just being extra consumed because more input from different sources meant that there's better platforms, dashboards that were being created for companies, uh, for hospitals and so on. So it was pretty easy for them to just integrate with another API instead yeah. of looking for the data themselves. Yeah, 
I think it is exactly that, right? So it has the, the benefit of a catalog where people already are. And if I have a place where I go as the go-to place to find APIs, well, the more folks are exposed in there, the bigger the odds that I will find things that I might need. Um, and there was also another thing that I wanted to say, and I lost the train of thought. But yes, it is. It, oh, yeah. Another thing is that like, if you think about, let's say, API for payment, like that doesn't like you will not build build an API that only does payment, right? Like that mm -hmm. app will probably do other things too. And that is, I guess, the power because you will need an API that does payments, but you also will need other things as well, right? So instead of me going on scavenger hunt across internet and find the different things, like I can go to a single place and find whatever I need in there, you know, and use that as entry point for everything. And oh, also find other things in single place. So I guess like that, yeah, that makes a perfect sense for a vendor of service to expose their APIs because it's like you, you kind of have the app store benefit that you get. Yeah, it's a simplification on your code base as well. Instead of calling 20 different of these services, now you're only calling yeah. one. Um, security is also better uh, because you don't have to check all these services. We have all the security measurements in place. Still, if you want to do it on your own end, you only need to focus on one endpoint. Yeah. Yes. Makes yeah. Sense. And Makes sense. yeah. And also, it's easier probably to monitor. So do you also offer uh, services like the ability to monitor the APIs that developers use in their apps eventually? Right. So imagine that I build an app that has few things like, let's say, weather, text and payment. Right. So these are the three APIs that I will use in my app through you. Do you also allow me to have a single API to call to manage if these three APIs are available? Uh, yeah, there is a testing tool as well. So you can also yeah test it out uh, or test out your, your whole uh, flow. Um, so you can also do that online. So like how you would do a search in or with Jest, for instance, in, in your code base, you can just say, okay, if a user goes to this page, clicks on the checkout button that calls this API, sends this data, to another API and so on. You can just mm -hmm. configure these data flows inside the test suite, and you can either run them from within your company on a Docker container, or you can run them locally, or you can let them run in the cloud so that you can do that. Whenever I do a commit to, to GitHub, uh, that mm -hmm. an action is going to run, check if these APIs are going to be able to run. If they do, send it out. But the same thing can, uh, can be done on, are they available, yes or no? Gotcha. Cool. That's pretty interesting, actually. For interesting, and and it's it's if you think about Microsoft Graph, the idea is kind of the same. Uh, mm -hmm. If you think that from a centralized API perspective in Microsoft 365, and then we have the individual uh, providers um, through Microsoft. So, idea is actually quite cool. Uh, so and. Kind of a classic scenario as well, catalog of APIs. It's it's good yeah. to see that somebody is actually finally making that reality because it's been kind of in the IT industry world since mid nineties. And we're gonna have this catalog of APIs, and then you unify services, all IT the services, services, exactly, services, whatever so they were called at the blocks, time. So, yes, yes. Well, I guess like <laughs> and although it's else, especially with uh, with an enterprise, right? The hardest part is this to keep it up to date. You have yeah. to have somebody who won is aware of everything new new that is being built to keeps everything up to date. So when there is an update where things are obsolete or updated, extended with new things that they are being, being added there. And when somebody thinks of something new 
ensure that, hey, maybe we have something else already that is kind of the same thing and maybe we could easily, more easily extend that as, as, as opposed to build yet another thing that is almost the same, but not quite. And so funny that we are the only company that actually is focusing on this really? uh, portfolio. Yeah. So in that the market, odd, isn't it? I, I wasn't aware of it neither when I started uh, working there, uh, because my focus was first on the on the developer tool spectrum. Um, so uh-huh. the whole enterprise hub or the hub perspective. That's another side of the business. Um, they are coming closer and closer together uh, nowadays. Yep. Uh, but in the beginning, I wasn't even aware of it. Like, okay, for me, it was, it was as it was. Uh, yeah, people yeah. or companies were doing this there, but eventually, none of the enterprises are actually doing that. There is a catalog, uh, or people know, like, yeah, yeah, we have this kind of a service, and then somebody else comes by and says, hey, do we have this kind of service? Ah, uh, yeah, let me think. Oh, yeah, we have exactly. that as well. Exactly. Um, but now, and yeah, this is the first platform that actually combines all of it and there are platforms that do it like on azure you also have api managements they yep. do a very similar thing but it's not a complete suite of these tools yeah. that yeah. brings everything together and and as they're saying the, the the information is transforming to be the gold the gold mines and and they're really combining the information from multiple systems so it's really critical that especially in the larger customers uh we have LOB systems, they have factories, they have um, ensemble pipelines, whatever. They need to be 100% up to date on what's happening, what's the the loss of, let's say, uh, whatever products as part of the manufacturing and they can and then combine that information. And, and if you think about IoT business, um, the IoT, there's so many devices nowadays blocking data all the time then the question is, how do we use that data? And and how do we are aware of all of those things which are available inside of company? That's really interesting, actually. Really, really there was, interesting. There was, there was do you have any that. open seats in the open career? Person? No, just kidding. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was another thing I wanted to ask. Um, do, you, do you also think, like, when you think about uh, the dev experience, um, do you also think about... Uh, things like building connectors for that uh, folks can use in Power Apps and in Power Automated Flows. So that would be kind of your, I don't know, call it an SDK or simplified way to uh, to use the APIs you uh, expose. Um, not right now, but this has come up because we have yeah um, great people from Microsoft actually that came over to work for the company, um, and. Yeah, they they actually worked on the power platform, and they are thinking about it. So <laughs> perfect. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, it makes perfect sense, right? Because, like, as you said, the whole low code, no code movement has uh, yeah, like significant no-code, no-code amount of attention and, yeah. and traction. Exactly, right? So it makes perfect sense. And Microsoft isn't the only player in the field doing that. So. Yep. Like mm-hmm. it's just like yes, you you have an API, but if you would think about trying to to connect to a raw API from within Power Automate Flow, like you don't want folks who aren't uh, aren't technical to fiddle with HTTP calls and connectors. No, no, no. you want to like, offer them a connector that execute that 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 takes all of the auth away and just does a call, brings back the data that's already. Parse and as opposed to JSON string and now user, you gotta find your own way around the blob you you just got right. 
Yeah, but there's also so many things happening around APIs these days, uh, like GraphQL uh, is yep. the very first time that I start using that uh, as well. It's nothing mm -hmm. new, actually. It's it just built on top of uh, REST APIs, but it's so much easier to consume or get data and um, to yeah provide data back and so on. So there's actually quite of a lot of these things. Um, yeah. But that you now also have to think about, like before that, it was only consuming an API. Now it's actually building tools to consume, but also to support all the other uh, APIs. And apparently, exactly. still SOAP is being used. So. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, like it's it's exactly that because you also have things like gRPC, you know. Yeah. So like, and to what extent do you want to put yourself in place where? you offer a middle layer between APIs you expose and the user adding these abilities like FQL, gRPC, and whatnot, or to what extent do you say, well, if the person who built the API offers that, we expose that, but if they don't, we don't too. And then it's at the end of the day, developers need to find out that if, if they call this thing, it has it. If they call this thing, it doesn't. Right. Yeah. And coming back to the developers, when I was in San Francisco in February, uh, the kickoff event was all about like developers, developers, developers. I've um, heard about that one before. That's good. Well, I mean, he just said that people from Microsoft joined, so. <laughs> but not that person. Steve house. No, um, but then the focus uh, changed as well that we started talking about. It's not only developers anymore. It's more yes. makers that become very important as well. So the, the hub capability there is, is very important for makers because it's a tool that is a, yeah, a browser tool that you can just go to, uh, see the APIs and start consuming the APIs because you get the URL, you get your uh, keys and so on. You can start testing it out inside your browser. Um, yeah. Really easy to get you started. Connectors is indeed another thing that we have to think about. Um, but yeah, which the low code of no code platforms are we going to support or are we going to integrate with that's another uh, thing that yes, we have exactly yeah yeah cool that's really really interesting now let, let's go to another side of your let's say time or the working time what you do with just open source and tooling and all of that stuff so as part of your break with the rabbit api you're doing visual studio code extensions for them but that's not just the only open source and Visual Studio Code stuff what you've been doing. So can you talk about a bit about front matter and, and all of the other things which you've been doing? So yeah, I think why are you doing this? Why? why, why? <laughs> GitHub star. He is a GitHub star. We yeah, told you to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That changed as well uh, over the last yeah. <laughs> um, became a GitHub star. It's, it's yeah. like the... Uh, yeah, what Microsoft MVP is for Microsoft is uh, what a GitHub star is for GitHub. So, and you get a lot of swag, so a lot of stickers and uh, hoodies. The one on top right, like on your clothes yeah, all the way, well. yeah, yeah. On, on the there all the way up. Yeah, yeah. Octocat is there as well. So uh, you get these kind of things. Pretty cool, uh, pretty interesting uh, program. Um, also funny to see how GitHub, which is now with a, is a Microsoft company, works in Slack. Um, so all the communications happen in Slack, uh, not via Microsoft Teams. <laughs> but, uh, but they're independent, and I guess it's yeah. it's actually good that we keep them as an independent, uh, completely independent division, so that they can have their own 
yeah, decisions as well. Makes perfect sense. So, but yeah, coming back to uh, front matter, um, yeah. Besides front matter, I have a couple of other extensions. I I just love to automate my life, but also make it easier for others. And front matter was one of these extensions that I created like in 2019 uh, when I moved my website from uh, WordPress to Hugo and started building a tool that could make it easier for me to work with the front matter of your markdown pages. Like front matter is the, uh, the metadata of your page. I think once uh, back then I was uh, working with Wolgalik uh, around, yeah, how I think Log you were using Jekyll. Metadata, um, yes, correct. Yeah, and how it fit in into his workflow and then in mine. And I, uh, I created a very simplistic uh, tool around that um, worked. And then I didn't really touch it for more than two years. Uh, because it was just working the way I wanted it at, uh, for yeah, owning or yeah, owning my blog process or writing process whatsoever. And then last year when I had my accident and I wasn't allowed to do any actual work that could, could potentially bring in money, um, I had to find something to keep my mind busy. And I said, hey, what if I create an actual CMS out of uh, front matter? So the idea was already there. Uh, what was only missing was time. And last year I had the time for it. So uh, starting from oh, July you know. last year. You had time. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just have an accident and then you have time enough. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't follow that example. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's yeah, I, I won't recommend it either. So uh, there are some downsides as well involved with it. So, but that's another story. Um, but yeah, started to do uh, a lot of uh, these um, extra time or spending extra time for front matter. And in the beginning, I said, okay, let's make it a simplistic CMS. And nowadays it's it's like some people say that it's not really a CMS. It's more like a UI layer on top of your uh, content. But what is a CMS uh, these days? In, or in a headless CMS, it's a UI layer on top of your content. And the way you publish it to the cloud is depending on which CMS that you're using. Um, and what I try to do with front matter is, yeah, you bring in your framework, static site generator or whatsoever, um, and you can do the content management with front matter and then publish it again with what you like to use to publish it with. So um, quite a lot of uh, these things have been involved and that's how I got into the picture of uh, Rapid API as well, so yeah. So basically cool. you were creating open source um, extensions in GitHub and then Rapid Circle pinged you and said, hey. Rapid API. Rapid Circle yeah, is yeah, sorry, yeah, <laughs> good point. Um, but they pinged you and saying, hey, we're looking into somebody to do these kind of things for us. Is that the way it happened then? Uh, yeah, 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 indeed. Um, there was a post last year, I think somewhere in October that, that got a lot of attention. And all of a sudden there was a developer advocate from, um, from the team uh, or from the dev uh, rel team in, in Rapid API. And he wanted to have a conversation around front matter. Okay, I said. So I thought, yeah, maybe he just wants to use front matter for his own blog. So we yep. started a discussion. And and after 15 minutes, I said, mm, this doesn't feel like a normal discussion. That is uh, interview, right? Yeah, like, that's, you know, the call they like, like, wait, what? what? Yeah, indeed. <laughs> uh, so I said, 
what are you trying to to tell me or ask me is it like yeah uh, ah, yeah we want to work together with you and i just wanted to see how you worked and and what you did before and and how front matter uh works and inside out and so on yeah. so before i knew it i was in a developer uh interview or in an actual uh yeah interview um so, so that's a good example of actually where the open source and community contributions generated you a real job, right? Correct, correct. And also in in a total different area that I was uh, working in. Yeah. So uh, for me, going to a, yeah, to a company that works within Microsoft 365 was pretty easy because they mostly know me uh, or used something that I provided already. Um, but this company didn't know anything about me. So yeah. And they just use my GitHub profile and then front matter as you're my a star. Resume. You're a star. So I mean, back then I was just your GitHub profile. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 on the on the other areas of GitHub, I need to call out that of course you you are the original creator of the BMPS PFX controls, aren't you? So it was you and uh, among other things. Yeah. Uh, among other things. So because <laughs> of the BMPS PFX controls are quite widely actually used uh, more and more every single month. So it's actually interesting to see the growth on them as well. So, But there's like a trillion of projects which you've done in your past related on other things. But then the front That's matter or... was the one. Yeah, right? yeah. There, there are still a lot of these uh, tools that are there and are actually being used. I yep. think the one that is still used the most was the developer or the debug uh, configuration one for SPFX. Still has the lot, uh, most of the installs um, but then there are a couple of others that I still like to use and use myself on a daily basis. Um, yeah. So, so um, as part of moving in that, well, working now in a rapid, uh, rapid API, I'm getting the company name right. So, but you're <laughs> yeah. not looking into then stopping doing the the open source projects or anything like that, uh, or what is the end goal? Is this a is this just fun to be a hobby based project and people are paying for doing these things or well, what is uh, for me it's here? oh for me it's fun uh, for me coding is like a hobby um, and yeah the less I code during my daily work the more I will code during my spare time so um, the team that I'm currently working in it's a one man job right now but we got green lights to actually build a new team around me so I will probably be leading this team and then I will start managing other people, which yep. means that during my spare time, coding I will less. likely, oh. yeah, during my daily job, I will be coding less. But then after working hours or in the weekends, I will try to still find, yeah. <laughs> and then I take my laptop on my bike. Yeah, exactly. So no, 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 you don't want to do that. that that's a, yeah. That's, like that can lead to <laughs> yeah exactly like <laughs> no but if you're happen. if you like to develop then developing is also a hobby so yeah, yeah. and I still like to to do these things so I don't think that I will stop uh, working on these projects um, of course there's always a project that's get dependent or archived or no I don't archive I just let them be <laughs> so um, <laughs> maybe they come alive somehow um, so. And um, and just recapping, also you you you're still an MVP as well. So you are Office Developer MVP. Just 
Correct. Yes. So yeah. because we we have this weird situation where some of the MVPs are office apps and services MVPs, even though they do development. So your you, office that apps was and me. services. That was me. <laughs> I was that uh, two, two was. years ago, and then oh, all of a sudden trust, I okay. switched. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. So you were moved on other side because um, the, the, it's it's an interesting. I think Paolo Paolo is an office apps and services MVP, which is a bit of a strange thing. And AC Andrew Connell is as well, which is a bit of a strange thing as well. But you know. Well, but the, the, these are all the folks who were MVPs before there came distinction between OS and Office Dev. That that is true. Yes, I guess that's the that's the thing. I, I guess we need to do something on that uh, in the Microsoft or adjusting at least the term because even calling it as an Office developer MVP sounds a bit strange. Uh, so, have you done anything for Office, uh, Ilya? Uh, what is Office? <laughs> I use Google these days. <laughs> Word, yeah, no, 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 no. Office I've is had a, look open. Of course, great uh, product, yeah. but it's I'm it's sending just, emails. I'm yeah. sending yes. emails. Yes, yes, you're own. a developer. And exactly. I'm doing development, so I'm an office developer. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, have, have you, so in the past six months, have you sent an email with inside a piece of code or maybe attachment of a code? Hmm. You can't attach, sure. attach, can you still attach code in there? Well, you, mean, you, you, yeah. you could attach a zip with code in it, but that would mean like you're office developer because you're, like, you're using... No, <laughs> no, probably not. I'm really no. trying to stretch the definition here. <laughs> Before now, Slack and Teams, you did do that. But, uh, since Slack and Teams are there, I don't yeah, think uh, we should ever do that again. Well, no, that you will create gist, right? And you just point people like, hey, like there is a link. You can find all the code there. Yeah, or you just create a code snippet within your chat and work on that. Yeah. No. <laughs> now, from a timing perspective, we need to close in a, in a, um, pretty soon. But Ilya, as a highly experienced uh, person in open source community, GitHub star, MVP, and all of that, can you do, let's say, three to five tips for somebody who's looking into making a career through this kind of a channel as well? What, what, what's what's the thing that tries to any any tips for anybody younger person who might be looking into? I want to do. Something it's actually like it's actually funny because you get a lot of these questions by a lot of people uh, from the moment you you are becoming an MVP or when I became a GitHub star, you're getting all of a sudden ten of reactions of how do I become uh, this kind of person or how do I get it? Yep. I always recommend people to just do what they like to do, and then in the end it will come by itself. Okay, you have to work. Uh, for it. But if you don't like to do the work, then why should you actually care about that star or that MVP batch or whatsoever? So just do the thing that you love. And then in the end, um, the more you like it, the more you will do for it. And then it doesn't cost you energy. But the moment it starts to cost you energy, will that batch or that whatever you get from it, is that going to give you the the energy to go the extra mile? I don't think so. Um, so just do what you like, just do what you love. That's going. If it brings you energy, keep on doing that. If not, yeah. do something else in life. Yeah, that's actually really good guidance in general in life, and and also mm -hmm. related on the MVPs and GitHub star. The end goal is not to get an MVP status or a GitHub star. It, it's just kind of a, that's that is the acknowledgement 
of consistently providing value for the community. Um, and hopefully people will keep on doing that. It's just encouragement on, yes, you're doing the right thing. Please keep on doing the same thing. Um, we've seen in the past quite a few MVPs or some people who got to MVPs and then they disappear because maybe that was in their bucket list. And maybe then it wasn't the thing which they loved to do, uh, but mm-hmm. it was in a bucket list. And and that's fine as well. If, if, if people want to find another, let's say, passion, that's how life works. So... But good guidance for sure. Um, that wasn't three tips, but that's a really good good point. No, that's, that's <laughs> one. So that is one that is all encompassing, right? <laughs> so love what you do, like what you do. Don't, don't make care a kid a uh, goal. Like. <laughs> yes. yes. Like cool. what you do, do what you like, don't do what you don't like. Yeah, that's actually really good. So. <laughs> Cool. I guess it's time to close up uh, the, the, the interview. So thank you, Ilya, for catching up again. Uh, really cool uh, discussion. It, it's actually interesting to have um, perspectives and insight outside of the Microsoft 365 world as well. At the same time, of course, you can use the Rabbit API surface uh, through Microsoft 365 application and through Azure. So it's, it's not like it's completely two different worlds, um, as it's not. It's the same. Everything is in the cloud uh, nowadays. So. Correct. And Microsoft is an investor of Rapid API, by the way. Ah, the world cool. is small. Exactly, exactly. So, But thank you, Ilya, for joining us. Really cool discussion. Good to catch up. And good to hear that the back uh, situation and, and all of that is getting better. So it's all fixed. So, Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Uh, so speak to you soon. Or yeah, I good. guess we will have you back in 50 episodes or so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes, <laughs> it's a deal. Uh, and then uh, from here, we'll jump to the weekly articles with uh, Wildek. But thank you, Ilya. Really, really cool stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Now, thank you, Ilya, one more time uh, on a great interview. Good to catch up. Uh, that was number four interview with you on the on the weekly sh- uh, weekly BMP weekly BMP weekly show. Guess what? BMP weekly happens weekly. <laughs> Bi-weekly. It's a bi-weekly show. There we go weekly. (laughs) (laughs) Unless we are on a summer or holiday break. Anyway, so let's jump on this week's uh, articles. So thank you, Ilya, (laughs) one more time on that one. So we have, uh, let's jump on the articles and let's see what we have happening within the past week. Now, sharing my screen. So let's start with a, a monthly summary uh, from the Microsoft Teams organization side of the uh, side um, uh, on the April 2022 summary. Let me a bit zoom this. Um, these are the, the great monthly summaries, which are Microsoft Teams is doing this and SharePoint is doing this as well, including then Viva and other, other areas, but calling out all of the new features which we're rolling out. Um, it's, it's actually, these are great uh, also for internal people, because then you realize what are the features which are already rolled out, because <laughs> every now and then you see features they're like oh, that's cool i can't talk about it because i don't know if it's already rolling or not so <laughs> but a lot of lot of again really cool stuff and, and a great 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 summary on the on the new features and capabilities which are available across the stack so there's a uh, calling devices uh, improvements across the whole microsoft 365 platform and from a ux side of house that looks pretty neat um wouldn't need it for home but still uh and then uh why not? Because it's yeah, that's fair. Just have a thing on your desk that that you know that you don't need to start when there's a core. You you can just say on and it's there. That like, that would be actually true. pretty but awesome. And the background noise removal probably doesn't work that well as with this well, one. Well, this one is yeah. Oh. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> Having two dogs and a kid, uh, that means that you need to have a background and noise removal unless your your office is, is somewhere else. Anyway, so really, really cool blog post and they're uh, related on things and a few developer side as well. So there's a message extension entry point for workflows and teams and automate automation templates in Microsoft App Store. So good to have new, new, new functionalities available. So thank you, Teams organization, for that. Then we had an announcement related on general availability for in-app notifications. Exactly. Cool so that is a pretty cool thing, right? Like when you build an app, imagine that something is going to happen in the background or that, that is more of an, of, of an interactive app. And you want to be able to notify users of a change. Like in the past, you would need to build all of that yourself, like the whole mechanics. And, and now that is available as a part of platform for power apps. So yeah. it is a really cool thing towards helping you more easily build really rich apps on power apps. Absolutely. This is a great that there's a centralized way of doing those notifications rather than every single developer trying to figure out their unique way of doing things. And then the, the end user is like, yeah, another thing to follow. Come on, I'm already doing WhatsApp and messaging and all of that. And blah, 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 blah. Can, can't we just have a unification? So Just. The just. key is in the just word. Just. No, we don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's we just the same the as the world we... aligned. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like a one-time zone across the world and all of yeah. that. It's, it's, why can't we? But it it's almost the same as more and more we are seeing on the Microsoft Teams also the activity feed being the one where we can see things and, and uh, getting, of course, power apps and then Microsoft Teams activity feed more overlap between each other and all of that. Yeah, maybe in the future. But this is already a great step forward on having a centralized way of doing things. Now, um, then on the Power Platform side of the uh, news, we also had a blog post related on uh, customer stories and, and how to combine the Power Platform and Azure to go faster. And this is really about the fact that when you use the native Azure functionalities, you can actually build more robust and more scalable functionalities for sure. And Power Platform integrates really easily on that. Um, and that this is basically a set of stories uh, and architectural examples uh, for making that happen. So really very cool. Again, getting inspiration from whatever other people are doing within the platform, which is always a good idea. Related on getting inspiration. Exactly, yes. right? So from the uh, team that is building development tooling for building Teams apps, we have a new uh, or updated docs around how you can set up CI, CD pipelines for your apps. And with that, I automate deploying your apps to your task, UAT, and prod. And the guidance includes most common environments like GitHub, Azure DevOps, Jenkins. And the cool, cool thing is, is that there is a CLI you can use to create or at least the initial setup of pipelines to get that instantly, as opposed to you having to figure out all the different step dependencies and whatnot. Yep. You will use the Teams FX CLI, run a command, you will get the starting points, which you can obviously adjust to your needs, but you have that 80%, maybe even more, already done out of the uh, park, and you can adjust that. You can work on yep. that so you can more easily set it up. It's really cool. Yep. Yeah, and, and it's great to have script templates available for auto, easy automation. So just starting points, these are really, really valuable stuff for Microsoft Teams development. Now, 
now I'll come back on the talking about the inspiration and talking about the ideas what you can build on things. We have two uh, events happening. Uh, one is happening a bit later uh, in May, which is the Microsoft Build. So you should register on it. the Microsoft Build. <laughs> you might have heard about it. And sure, this year Microsoft Build is still remote, um, and that means that there's no costs associated to it. So it, everybody can join. Uh, you can register to that. You can then uh, see all of the sessions which are available, and then sign on those. So there's a, there's again a live shows and then there's the on-demand videos um, which are, will be available through the website. So that means also that you can consume to build content on your own plug, what is it, on your own on, terms, on, on, on your, your terms. own schedule and whatever it works for you, which, which is great. Of course, it would be great to get back on uh, the, the in-person conferences as well. During the weekend, there was a reminders. Uh, in one of the social media platforms from, was it eight years ago, when the build was in San Francisco and, and having dinner with a few friends in there and then there was a build session and all that. And that's actually pretty cool. So reminders of the old times. I guess we'll get there maybe in a year. So we'll see. We'll see. Or maybe not. Maybe it's better this way. So it's it's more inclusive. Everybody can get access to the information through uh, this on-demand model. So. Anyway, the second thing, uh, which is a bit time constrained, uh, is happening Thursday this week. Exactly. So two of us, Vesa and I, together with five of our MVPs who are experts in their field of expertise, are going to uh, run a two-hour online event that everybody can join for free, no cost associated other than two hours of your time, to learn how can you tie different building blocks from Microsoft 365 such as Teams, Viva, Microsoft Graph, SharePoint, our BI even. How can you tie all of that to build a compelling solution for your business that you could use today, right? So the idea is that as we go get back to work, you might still be in a place where you need to uh, book a seat, right? So we're going to show you how you can use everything that your company already has available, Microsoft 365, and turn that into a compelling app that you can build with your org that will take into account how people work, what are the different things that they need, the insights, the info, and bring that all together in a single compelling experience. So definitely join us. If there is anything you want to ask related to event or not, bring those questions to us. We'll have two hours dedicated time for you to on one hand show you stuff, but also answer any question you might have. So see you there on Thursday, May the 5th. Yep, May the 5th, um, which is really, um, it, I'm look, really looking forward to this event. Uh, it seems to be that we have quite a few people registered for it already, so uh, which is really, really promising. We can really use a few more. So we, we, yeah, well, we can always use a few more because <laughs> it's a remote event, only two hours, and, and, um, and anybody can join. It's free. So. Good, good. Um, then we had a few uh, updates related on our uh, blog platform. So first of all, um, there's new blog articles in the Microsoft 365 platform community. Uh, but then we did actually change uh, the location. So something what happened last week, well, it didn't happen last week. It was a knowing and a decision. It wasn't like, oh my God, now it's actually in a new location. Um, we moved away from tech community uh, to a specific location uh, where the block uh, is located. So you can access using all of the AKMS addresses, um, but you can also go BMP, GitHub, 
blog, and this is the Microsoft Traces platform community blog. And, and from here, you can then see uh, all of the community core recordings, like in the tech community in the past, uh, but also more articles and, and from the community as well. So uh, one of the reasons uh, it's always like, why I keep on changing this location? We know, and it's a bit of a, uh, always a bummer to do that, but this way we are all in the GitHub platform. So this means, means also that anybody can contribute, anybody can uh, adjust uh, the articles or suggest adjust, uh, changes. Uh, we are more flexible from a managing perspective. All of the information is actually stored in a GitHub as well. Um, and it's using, for example, Elio's uh, front matters as CMS system to actually publishing things and managing things. So we're kind of taking advantage more on this open source community driven thinking and tying this underneath the Microsoft 365 community uh, location. So rather than having it as a separate one in tech community design. So that's kind of the thinking here. And we are committed on keeping this here now for years to come because it's right. backed by GitHub. It's, it's basically easily maintainable. Good. And editing is so much easier with Markdown rather than the limitations what we had within the tech community, unfortunately. But on this platform and in here, we have a few different new articles. So let's start with a, a style your common bar with formatting magic. Exactly. So we have new article from JC Hebert um, about exactly that. Like, how can you style your command bar with new features that you have? And we're using different things, right? So we're using apparently at top, we use jQuery, which you could do. Okay, However, do, yeah. Be mindful that it depends on DOM. DOM is not an API, it could change. So there are different ways, like the view formatting that is more reliable, more, you could say, contemporary way of doing things, because that is something that we at Microsoft are committed to maintain. Like there, yep. it, it is a contract of sorts that we have with you not to break you. Whereas a DOM, well, DOM can change, right? So we wouldn't recommend that anybody takes any dependency on DOM because like as, as things evolve and nowadays in a cloud, they evolve fast, that DOM might change and then whatever you have uh, changed on top might go away. Right, so yep. in this article, you will learn of the few options that are available to you in case you need that kind of uh, adjustments. Yep, really cool stuff. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Chasey, on that one. Uh, then we had an update on the CLI from Microsoft 365 v5.2. Um, I guess it's, you're the better person to actually talk about this. One. <laughs> I was just read about article, to ask, like, so. hey, you want to go about it? <laughs> <laughs> I can, exactly. but so I have, yeah. <laughs> so basically, every single month we release new version. This time it was v5.2, again, with a few adjustments, few few improvements, right? So we have new commands around managing things in Planner, in Microsoft Teams. We have new command that allows you to upgrade your SharePoint framework projects to version 115.0 beta 6. And the interesting yep. thing about that version is that it introduces two things. So one is the ability to customize forms. And I don't know for how long we've been talking about it, asking for it, it's available there now. So it's yep. about time for you. If that's something you waited on for a long time, you can try it now. And with CLI from Microsoft 365, you can really easily upgrade whatever project you have to this new version. Um, and then two, there's also another cool thing. You can now use uh, with, directly within SPFX, the graph, JS SDK v3, 
right? And that is also a cool thing. Why? Because the version v, V3, comparing to the V1 that we had in SPFX in the past, V3 contains a number of improvements around performance, batching, middleware support, all of that. So all of that is in there for you to use, and you don't need to load it by yourself. The GraphJS SDK V3 is now available as a part of SPFX. There is no additional burden for you to introduce in the environment. It's already there for you to use. So that is also a cool uh, enhancement for you to try. And along with that, like we have a, a few more improvements as well in CLI. So I would definitely, definitely encourage you together with our whole team for you to give it a try and tell us if there is anything you like, dislike, you would like us to spend some more time on. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely, really cool stuff. Then we had a blog post from Louisa Fries on how to rename files in SharePoint with Power Automate. And again, a great blog post from her related on Power Automate and Power Platform usage and then hitting those right APIs underneath the, the underscore API. And then understanding the headers and body and all of that stuff, which can get a bit complicated, but again, it works. It's it's a RESTful API, so you're able to do all of these operations and it's great a reference uh, for the future uh, for making that happen in the Power Automate. Then we had a blog post from uh, Leon Armstrong related on SharePoint Syntax, testing exactly. out new refinement rules. Exactly, so apparently we have available new refinement rules for document understanding, right? So in his article, Leon goes through What's available? What's new? What are the different things you can you you can do with that? If syntax is something that you either use or are interested in using, this article is a great way for you to understand what's in there, how you can use it, what's new, and potentially what problems these features could solve for you. So definitely check it out. Really, really cool stuff. Thank you, Leon. And it's great to see the constant involvement now on SharePoint Syntax being, because then that's really the document management services of SharePoint, automation, artificial intelligence, machine learning related on that. There's a lot of really cool stuff and features in here, um, which we're seeing gradually people adapting, which is great. Thank you, Leon, on that. Uh, so then uh, uh, Stefan had a new blog post, uh, Stefan Power, on accessible colors in Microsoft list formatting and really focusing on the importance of the colors for accessible from an accessibility perspective um, and related on how they are the, how they're impacting uh, the readability uh, of the of or understanding what's on the screen uh, depending on who you are and and different ways of doing things and the high contrast and inverted themes and all of that stuff so stefan is really really the specialist related on understanding the importance of this styling elements as well. So Stefan is great on these topics. EODR, he is expert expert in UX. Yeah. And everything that it involves from typography, colors, icons, yep. usability, and so forth and so on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, then uh, Joel Rodriguez had a blog post on BMP data rows to update document field values. Exactly. So if you have files, that you want to update in a in a batch, or you have files or list items that you want to update as a part of creating your sites, there is a way in PNP provisioning to do that. And Joel shows exactly how you can use the XML structure to include the metadata along with the data you create in provisioning. So definitely, if you do that, 
and you have that requirement, that is a great way to go because there's no additional way for you to, or there's no need for you to use anything else on top. It's already baked in the tooling. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And then we had a blog post from Appy um, uh, using uh, local for categorized meetings in Outlook. This is actually a really cool thing as well. So basically having a level of artificial intelligence uh, related on your meeting creations on tagging them based on the content. So how could you do this uh, using the Power Automate? And there's, there are ways to, of accessing that information. And for example, based on the subject of, or some other entry, uh, you can then do setting of the the category and then the category setting the the colors for the meetings as well so really really cool stuff thank you Abby, on that one then we had a new article from agnes molnar yes and she wrote a short article about a tough topic of the licensing as we all know from the past it's complex it depends on many different variables and with that it's a thing that people often ask thing about like hey how does that work? What do I need? I want to do X. What do I need? Right. And it depends often because there are many things involved. And Agnes tries to simplify things where she can, especially around connectors for search. Right. So she yep. lists few things that she hears a lot about. And she also includes a link to the more comprehensive docs or, or elaborate docs on the licensing. So if you're in this field and you're interested in that space, check it out. Absolutely. Uh, Laura Kokorinen from Sulava had a new blog post related on how to create your first team spot and deploy it to the Azure. So really, really cool uh, walkthrough. Uh, and she's doing always great job on, on going kind of end to end. So starting from scratch and really walking through the steps of creating the resource groups, creating the Azure bots, creating the associations, creating the, the team creation uh, the association to the team, creating the application and deployment and all of that. So really making this easily followable thing. Uh, and then you understand, okay, so now that I have this team uh, bot, uh, how would I deploy that? Not just basically explaining how to create it or using the automation, but just really walks through step-by-step step the, um, the process for doing that. So really, really cool stuff. Thank you for that. Then we had a new video from uh, from April. Exactly. So. In her new video, April Todd tells us about how you, how you can interpolate strings in Power Apps. And so what is interpolating strings, Vesa? Uh, it's string manipulation. Putting you on a spot. String manipulation. On... manipulation. String manipulation. Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> so you have a large strings and at some places you want to inject values. Like, yeah. hello, first name. That first name, instead of saying like quotes plus, mm, you can yeah. you can make it more easily manageable and readable by having like tokens. Yep. And apparently there is a way to do that in Power Apps. So if you're interested in that, check out this seven and a half minute video to learn how to do that. Yep, really very really cool stuff. And um, Paulo had a also a new video on his. Uh, BSS TechBytes uh, series on using the BMP People Picker control in SPFX solution. And BMP People Picker control is the one controls which actually associates uh, the People Picker functionality uh, in the uh, well, in your web part or whatever solution you're actually using or building. It could be a Teams application, of course, as well, whatever you are then building. But it's a reusable control uh, for that functionality, which is really, really cool. And then the last video was from Shane. Uh, his weekly series kind of as well. It's well, it's yes, not really exactly. a series, but new videos. Anyway. It's 
troubleshooting troubleshooting and updating with power apps and power automate uh and it's troubleshooting sharepoint data problem with power apps so apparently you have something something doesn't work as needed or as expected and then you can use power app and power automate to troubleshoot which is an interesting way to approach it on the other hand you can use whatever tools you can and you know to fix whatever issue you have. So in that point, yep. in that sense, it makes perfect sense, right? Yep, absolutely. Anyway, so thank you, Shane, on that one. Uh, cool videos for sure. So let's uh, do check them out. But that's it for, for the articles and videos this week. Anything interesting happening on your side? Always. Ter Thursday, two Thursday, hours, yes. you don't want to miss it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that is one. That is one big thing. I think we're doing the final preps, double-checking everything, that everything will work as smoothly as as it has to, it should. Um, other than that, it's the time of year at Microsoft where we look back at the past half year um, and look back at what we've done, what went right, what, what went wrong, what we can learn. So I, th I think I will start need to spend some time on that. I'm also working on wrapping up a new thing that I hope I will be able to tell more about soon. And then we're trying to talk more and more and more about a while back, we worked on this uh, POC around Angular. How can we help Angular developers build apps for teams? So we have a POC available. It is a package on NPM. It's available, it's out there. If you work with Angular, we would appreciate if you could give it a try and tell us what you think, if that's something that you would like us to evolve, uh, build, build out, uh, um, expand with additional features or not. Because it's like, well, I mean, I already found my, my way or I would need to have at least X, Y, and Z more, right? So um, there is that. Um, I think that these are the biggest thing. And then for CLI for M365 business as usual, uh, we keep adding new features every few days. What questions? Of course, Thursday thing is is really really important thing. Uh, then we we'll, we do have the classic two uh, community calls happening this week as well. So on Tuesday, we have three demos on the Microsoft 365 platform call. Uh, really really cool stuff again queued up. And then on Thursday, we have the SharePoint framework Viva connection and SharePoint framework call again happening, which is the bi-weekly call. Um, a lot of that planning and we already started doing planning on the summertime and how do we going to do all of these calls and community engagement during summertime because we need to start getting ready on that at this point rather than realizing in july that oh everybody is on vacation what do we do now so which obviously doesn't happen across the world but especially in scandinavia since it's really dark and not sunny winter time everybody is just centralizing the vacations on summer and that means Done. that in and yeah, you go. <laughs> and, and then on winter time as it's dark, you, you it's just working. So so but it's it's getting all of that ready and and um, and the build is now already completely done. Uh, there's some on demand I showed sorry, the the planning for that one still related on the one to one consultations and, and what do we have? AMA R sessions for build round, round, round table, table that's what anything. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. So but um, business as usual, so to say, a bit of a more relaxed setup um, so this week, which is good, actually, starting to catch up on then other things which are bending on the, it's, it's not like there isn't things to do, but there isn't anything urgent what you need to do right now as a priority, yes. which is great. 
So, yeah, and that leaves then time for some creative mind as well. Maybe who knows? So, <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, thanks for watching, and thank you, Ilya, for one more time uh, on joining us today um, for this discussion. And we'll be back within a week. Thank you, Waldek. We'll be in touch. Thank you, Vesa. See ya. Thank you.